0: How many of y'all struggle with temptation ever? Cool. A couple of you. All right. So the couple of us that struggle, we'll bow our heads. The rest of you that don't, y'all can leave real quick. So um, man, this is, this is uh, something we all struggle with, right? I mean, even Jesus, beginning of his ministry, he was, he was set out and he was tempted by the devil. He was tempted by Satan. And the, the deal for us is understanding is that as humans, we are going to be tempted, and uh, the deal is, is that we're tempted, but then what do we do with that temptation? How do we stop from stepping over temptation to falling through with sin? And so, because we know once we've moved from the phase of temptation to the phase of sin, then there's where the pain, the shame, the regret, all that stuff that we hate, that sits on us. The weight of the sin sits on us. So, um, you've got Antique Week going on. So, some of you have been tempted by things out there at Antique Week so this morning I want us to think about this idea of what does it mean many times the reasons that we're strapped down, in particular in our finances, is because we've seen something and we've been tempted by it. You know what I mean? You've got that there and it kind of just glimmers and gleans and you're like, oh. And so you move this this idea of rationalization and justifying that it goes from something that you want to a need. You ever been there? Yes, okay. Then we'll just bow our heads and those of you that haven't had that moment, you can leave. All right. That there's those moments where you're tempted by something and all of a sudden you see it and so you begin to rationalize and justify it. And that's because for most of us, we have a tendency to live life right on the edge. And instead of stepping back from the boundary a little bit and living life and giving ourselves that when we're in that moment of being tempted, that we're on the edge. And so it's easy for us to just fall over so some of you even this week that antique week is kind of your thing and you you've had something that you've been having on your eye and you've been pinteresting it and all this different stuff and you you're kind of like man this is if this shows up and crosses my path it's going to go from a, a, a want to a need really really quick and so you're already there and so the atm machines are around they've figured this out at, at the round top thing and that there are atm machines all around and so you accidentally go in there and you put your card in and you push 50 because you think, hey, that's going to get me a burger or whatever you need. And then accidentally, instead of 50, 500 rolls out because you know you're really going to need 450 for what you want. And so the next thing you know, you were standing here and then you've fallen in. And then you're already justifying how you're going to tell your spouse or tell whoever you need to tell that you went to go spend 50, but you really spent five hundred, and. Then the credit card bill comes, and it takes you 18 months to pay it off because of 18% interest and all that. You know what I mean? And so you got that whole thing that's going on. So we're strapped down. So I want to show you just a fun little video this morning to think about how all of us, when something is put before us that we're kind of tempted by, how we kind of toy around with it and play with it until we finally decide if we're going to do it or not do it. that chair your... all right here's the deal marshmallow for you you can either wait and i'll give you another one if you wait or you can eat it now when i come back i'll give you t- another one so then you'll have two but stay in here and stay in the chair till i come back okay all right we do that that's why we're laughing right because you've been there there's that thing that you're 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 struggling with and you're like if i just keep it over here I don't look at it or if I just take a little nibble surely it won't hurt or whatever and we kind of do whatever we can to rationalize and justify it and so the very first thing that I want you to grasp this morning as we finish up this series on strap is that there's a biblical principle that I want you to press into and I want you to press into the value the value of self-control and that, that, that's what these children are there with, and they've got this before them. And that really, we're saying, hey, if you, if you have the willpower, if you have the self-control to, to hold out for long enough, you're not just going to get this one, but you're going to get another one. And, and that there's a reward on the other end. And so for us as adults, we, kinda, we have the same things. That, that we, but we have a tendency to live, again, right here on the edge. And when we're playing with it, we're toying with it, we're thinking, ah, and we kind of go back and forth and begin to understand that there's rewards for us as followers of Jesus to stay away from those things that maybe once were enticing, but aren't what God's best for us. And that the reason that we're strapped down, in particular in our financial life, is because we haven't exhibited self-control, we haven't exhibited willpower appropriately when we need to, and um, so therefore we get into this place and we justify something that we think that we need or we want, and we purchase it and we bring it in, and all of a sudden what looked good, all of a sudden we realize, hey, it's just another thing that now that... It owns us instead of we owning it. So the press into this value of self-control. As a matter of fact, psychologists have been doing studies over willpower and self-control, and they've, they've come back and said, hey, listen, willpower is lessened over the day that each time that you have to exhibit willpower or self-control, it takes so much brain power, it takes so much energy to say no to something That it actually lessens our little battery level, and so then at the end of the day, whenever you have those moments of that you need to exhibit self control or willpower, you don't literally literally you've given up all the energy that you can you have, the brain power that you have, the self control power that you have, and so we make bad decisions. And so it goes like this at our house, is that we've had all these decisions that we've had to make throughout the day, and then it comes about five thirty, and all of us are converging on the house, and texts start going back and forth. Hey, what's for dinner? Y'all have this, and so what's for dinner, and what are we going to eat? And somebody says, well, I don't know, what's at, the, what's at the house? And everybody's like, I have no idea. And we open up the pantry later, and like, hey, it's full of stuff. The fridge is full of stuff, but there's never nothing there to eat, right? You know what I mean? And so, and you're busy, and you're tired, and you're saying, hey, we're trying to watch our finances. We're trying to watch our diet. We're trying to spend time, all these different things, but at the end of the day, we're so tired from making decisions on self-control and of willpower that we're literally, we've drained to the point that no one has the energy to say, to do the positive thing and say, hey, we're going to eat at home, we're going to stop by the store, get whatever, because it just takes too much energy. Does this happen at your house? Okay, yes, because McDonald's and all these places are around because of this is the way that we live, right? And so this idea of self-control and of willpower, as a matter of fact, in Proverbs... Proverbs chapter 25, verse 18, it says, like a city without whose walls are broken down or broken through is a person who lacks self-control. In other words, a person that doesn't have self-control is like a city without walls. And so the walls are what fortifies and protect us and put boundaries. And that when we struggle with self-control, we're like a city that doesn't have walls and our fortifications are down. And so the enemy can literally overrun us because there's nothing to protect us. And so at the end of the day that you've had all these decisions that you've been making, all these things that you've been trying to exert willpower and, and self-control in, is that each time a wall kind of falls down, at the end of the day, you have an important decision to make, and the enemy can overrun you, and you're destroyed, and you're taken in, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, why are we in this boat again? And it's because time after time throughout the day, your walls have fallen. And so then in that moment that you want to say no to something, literally the enemy attacks, and you're un unable to fend off the enemy. So how do we do that? How do we fend off the enemy and exhibit self-control? One of the ways that we do it is that we live in a community where we actually are real with one another and authentic with one another. And so that it may be that you are talking with your spouse or with your kids or some of your friends and saying, hey, here's an area where I don't want to be strapped down anymore. Here's an area where I want freedom. Here's an area where I need to exhibit some more self-control or some willpower And you let people into your life. And that the value of church isn't just this gathering here, but the value of church is church community doing life, real life together, and letting people in on who you are and what your struggles are. And so that at some point someone can come to you and say, hey, Chris, how are you doing in this area? And you know that they're asking you not just, hey, whatever. I mean, they're truly asking you some deep level questions that no one else around may be able to understand but they're talking deep to your heart and your soul because you have done life together. You have shared. You have become vulnerable. You have become transparent. You have shared a little bit about yourself, and so they can say, hey, listen, basically, how are you doing in this area of exhibiting self-control and willpower where you want to find freedom in Christ? And that's where true biblical community comes in, and lives are transformed. People that are once tied down to things can find freedom because of community found together, to be strapped down. The second thing that I want you to press into is not just the value of self-control, but to press into the value of strategy, of finding a strategy for your life. It says this in Proverbs 21, the plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely haste leads to poverty. Or flip over to Proverbs chapter 6, we get the illustration of the ant and it says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and it gathers its food at harvest. In other words, it has a strategy and a plan. And that for us and our finances and in different areas of our life, it's not just enough to have self-control, but then we also have to follow up with the biblical principle of pressing into having a strategy. Any of y'all ever been bowling? Some of you maybe are so bad at bowling. When you go to the bowling alley, you put up what? Guardrails. You know what I'm talking about? Those little things. Because, listen, you always win that way, right? You always pretty much knock down a pin some way, somehow. And so that's literally what a strategy is. It sets up a strategy for us, is that there's going to be moments when we're doing life and we're bowling and we're tired, and all of a sudden we begin to, in our tiredness, begin to veer off path. And then if we have a strategy of doing life together, and other people know our strategy, we can bump into the bumpers, and what happens when you bump into the bumpers? There you go. It ricochets and it puts you back on path. That's what good friends do for us. Is that as we talk about and do life together and as we're bowling down life and we're headed to this point, we want to go from point A to point B. We have a goal in mind. We want to knock some things out that we need to be taken care of to move forward in our life. When we have a strategy, we put up guardrails and our friends come alongside and they literally ricochet us. How are you doing And sometimes that's all it takes. How are you doing? And boom, and then all of a sudden, you're kind of rolling back in the same direction. And you're moving toward the path. You're moving toward the direction that you need to be moving, putting up these guardrails. One of the things that we need to put up in the very first steps of putting up some of these guardrails is we need to begin financially. We need to set some goals to move from point A to point B. And we've been talking about finances now for about four weeks. So let me ask you this question. How many of you have moved forward And having less debt now than you did four weeks ago. You don't have to raise your hand, but are you doing that? Okay. Do you have a strategy? Have you sat down with your spouse or sat down with someone and said, "Hey, I need to do a strategy." The very first thing you need to do as a strategy is just have a budget. Some of you may not even know how much money comes in in a month, and so to ask the question, "How much money is coming in? How much money is going out?" and to begin to have a strategy to begin to invite people in. Some of us are, are really bad at finances, and so we need to invite people, other people in and say, hey, can you help me understand what I'm doing so I can move forward? Because I'm tired of being strapped down. I'm tired of there being more months than there is money. I want to have some freedom. I want to be generous. And so that you need a strategy to move forward, that you've been so tired that the walls, the enemy attacks, and the walls are down, and you immediately go and you do those things and pursue those things that don't bring life, and you're tied down to those things. The very first step in creating a strategy, I'll give you the first one, is this, is that you need to put a $1,000 in your savings account. Now, I've been married for a couple of years now, and every time there's an emergency in our life, it's amazing how much it comes to like right at a $1,000. I mean, like you could ring it up and it's like nine hundred ninety dollars 99 I mean, it is crazy. And so sometimes it's one emergency. It's like the fridge goes out and you're like, hey, how much is that going to cost? And they're like, oh, I think it's going to be, enough. and I'm like, a $1,000, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, hey, thankfully, I've had a strategy, and so I know that life is going to happen, and in that moment, we have the money set aside, and so here we go. Now, that's painful, right, because you've set it aside, but at least it's less painful than, hey, here's my credit card, and it's going to cost me $2,500 for this $1,000 emergency. And so this knowing that life is going to happen, so set aside a $1,000. bucks. there has been times where it's been three emergencies, and guess what it ends up being? One thousand dollars. It's just how God. It's just the math, okay? I don't understand it. I don't get it. But so put a thousand dollars aside. Begin to take the do what you need to do to do it because life is going to happen. And so for some of us, that's five dollars a month or five dollars a week or whatever it is to get to that point. But do it because life is going to happen. The second thing is then begin to roll the debt snowball. Hey, you got some debts? You got Mr. Visa or Mrs. Mastercard or whatever you got, okay? Because you saw something that you. Wants it? all of a sudden it became a need you jumped over and now you got it and you're looking at it And you're like, I don't really even like it, but I now own it Okay, and now it owns you and so you're trying to pay that off And so begin to roll that debt snowball and there's something powerful about the first time you pay something off That there's some freedom, you know, even if it's a 25 dollar thing you've just been making payments on it And then all of a sudden you pay it off and you're like, yeah, this is awesome And then as that debt snowball begins to go what happens it Begins to go faster And to the point where you're like, hey, there's freedom. Every time you pay something off, there's a little bit more freedom. And you can't really even hold it back because you're so excited about the freedom. You can feel what God's doing and the freedom that he's given you that you can't even, you're just kind of holding on for the ride because you're enjoying the obedience of finding financial freedom in your life. And you're not only finding many times financial freedom, you're finding freedom in other areas because this is the beginning of obedience and that God talks about, our finances so often that so much of our life is tied into this. And when we begin to exhibit self-control with our finances, we begin to exhibit in other areas. And so the, the debt snowball, the things that we begin to say, hey, listen, I don't need these things anymore. I don't need this stuff anymore. All of a sudden, you begin to find freedom, not just in your finances, but in other areas of your life. And now you have more time. You have more money. You have more energy. You have the ability to focus in and to do and to be a part of the things that you want to be a part of. Get that debt snowball working. The other value that I want you to, to press into is to press into the value of selflessness, of selflessness. Some people would call it giving, some people would call it generosity. Some people would call it tithing, whatever you want it, whatever words you want to put on it, it's this, this movement of understanding that God has been extremely generous with me. And so in return, I want to be a little bit like God. And so in being like God, I'm giving up myself, and one of the ways I can do that is be generous. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, it says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. In other words, give a little bit and see and understand that God is going to take care of you and provide for you. That if you give a percentage of your monies away, if you give a percentage of your income away, that God will provide for you and take care of you. And that's understanding that God's math doesn't add up. That two plus two in God's world doesn't equal five. It equals something radically different but for us it's the act of obedience daily obedience to saying listen God's your god and i'm not and in the development of trust i'm going to give to you these finances i'm going to give some stuff to you and grow in that generosity and see how god blesses see how god works and again if you have a strategy in your financial world if you have a strategy there's going to be moments where you've got the guardrails up and you're thinking man i really want x but as a part of your strategy that you're looking at your budget and you're saying, hey, I'm giving X amount of money away, I'm being generous in this area of my life, and then it's, you begin to see and begin to understand how God begins to move. And it's harder as you become generous. It's harder to step away from that generosity, that there's something that God does in us and through us as we say, hey, here's God, here's my $10 a week or here's my $20 a week and the generous heart. Because here's what I want you to grasp. Is that Pastor Chris, whatever you want to call me, Dr. Chris, whatever it is, I am not up here begging you for money. Okay? And I know sometimes that that's the mindset as they're coming to church, and you're like, oh, they're asking for money. I'm not asking you for money. I don't, I don't care. So that's between you and God. I don't really care. But listen, here's what I want you to do, is that you understand that there's going to come a moment in your walk with Jesus is that God is going to ask of you to be generous. And that I know that most of us, our desire is in that moment, whenever we have that thing, that there's something that tugs on our heart, that moves our heart, that touches our soul, that we're unique. And God's going to say, hey, Chris, I want you to give to this. I want you to be generous to this, that I know that. For most of us, if 80 percent of us are living paycheck to paycheck, that most of us, when God tugs on our heart and says, I want you to be generous, most of us can't be generous to the things that we want to be generous to because we haven't set a strategy. We haven't exhibited self-control. And so in that moment when we can be most like God and be generous and give beyond and above what we could ever imagine giving, we can't be because we've not exhibited self-control. We haven't exhibited a strategy. We haven't invited people into our life to help move us to a place where we are free in all areas. And so in that moment when God says, hey Chris, I want you to give to this, that you can give to it because you've been obedient in the small things and you've set aside these monies for these emergencies. You've set aside and you've been giving out of obedience. You've been putting things away. And so there's going to come a time where God's going to say, listen, this is the moment for such a time as this You've been preparing so that you can give away and the, the extreme joy that comes from just saying, listen, it's not mine anyway. God, here, it's yours. Do it. That This is what you've prepared me for in this moment. That is what I want you to hear. That is what I want you to hear from God's word is that God wants something better for you. That, listen, it's okay to have things and to do those things, but to ask the question, how much is enough, and, and when is it? When is that time that God's going to move my heart? Because it's going to come. If it hasn't already, it's going to come where God's going to move on your heart and tug on your heart and say, listen, here is something better that I want you to invest in that will change the world, that will change the kingdom, But people will come to know Christ because you can be generous in this moment. And then all of a sudden, if you haven't prepared, you're going to have that moment of like, I want to, but I can't. And I don't want you to experience that. I want you to experience freedom in your daily life. That you're not tied down to stuff. You're not tied down to Mr. Mr. Visa, Mrs. Discover, whoever you're tied down to. But that you have freedom. Because listen, Christ has come so that you might be free, even in your finances. Jesus talks about it quite a bit, that the things that are of our heart are t- drawn to and finances is one of those things. We sang in the last song that we sang, my hope is in you alone. But let's be honest. There's many times that our my hope is in, in God, we trust the bill, the dollar bill, and we're looking to that for our hope and our security. And I want for you to not be strapped down by all these different things, but to have a freedom in Christ. And when that moment comes that you are called to be generous, You can be generous. Get rid of the stuff that's tying you down. Create a budget. Do what you need to do. Invite someone and Take the next steps to find freedom in your finances. Let's pray together. Father God, you know the things, as we even in our mind, we go through the things that we've bought and purchased. Or are still paying for. That we bought. That we thought we needed. And now we know that we just wanted. Father I thank you that you would. So generously give to us. That you would give to us. Your son Jesus. He costs you everything. Our salvation costs you everything. Father I pray that as we. As followers of you as disciples of Jesus, as students of the way of Jesus, that, Father, that we would pursue freedom into every area of our life, including our financial lives. And so I pray for everyone in this room that is strapped down, that is tied down, that is weighted down, that is deep in a well and can't see even the top away, a light to get out, that, Father, that they would just stop digging. And, Father, that we would begin to say, my hope is in you alone, And not in the things, not in the stuff. And, Father, that we would just stop and we would begin to invite people in and begin to find freedom and develop a strategy and self-control and begin to live life selflessly. Father, to understand that this time that we have is not about me, but it's about you. And it's about those that do not know you yet. Maybe the very reason that you've blessed us is so that others can come to know Jesus. Father, may you work in our hearts and our minds. And may we be motivated by that moment when you call us to be generous. That we can be as generous as you ask us to be. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.